All right, today we are continuing in our study on the Beatitudes. Oh, before I do that, I want to make also one more announcement for Wednesday night. Um, Larry, would you throw get that little video queued up? This is, um, we're, we're, we're going through an end time study with Jimmy Evans, and you can jump in any time. This isn't something that if you missed last week, you're, you're not going to be caught up. Don't worry about that. Here's folks, let me just stress so much that we are living in the end days. Now, it may not feel like it up here. You may say, well, Mike, come on, it's not that bad. But it is around the world. Rip already talked about it. There's great persecution happening all around the world. And just because you may not see it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. And when you look at the Bible and when you read end time prophecies and when you read what it says about what is happening prior to the rapture of the church, you cannot deny that we're living through it today. Now, we've talked about it all of our lives. I've been talked about it. I'm, I'm 63 years, six, no, we'll be 63 this year. And all my life, we've been, I've been hearing about it. But I've said it before and I'll continue to say it again. This is the first time that I'm seeing the things come to pass that we've been talking about. And our country is on the fall, it's on the verge. And the world is upside down in many areas. So I am just making you aware. I don't want, to, I don't want the rapture to happen. And Jesus said, Mike, you didn't tell your people. I want you to know that I'm telling you. And even if it's five years down the road, what difference does it make? I'm not saying it's going to happen tomorrow. It could, very well could. There's nothing stopping it from happening tomorrow or today. But if it doesn't, it doesn't make me a false prophet because I'm not setting a date. I'm just telling you it is going to happen. And are you ready? And here's something else that's going to happen. Your heartbeat is going to stop someday. Do you know when that is? (laughs) So let me tell you, I guarantee you, you're going to see the rapture. It may not be the corporate one, but the day you take your last breath is the rapture for you. And are you ready? Those that are listening, are you ready? That's the message. We have to be proclaiming that. And I don't want to be sleepy in this. I don't want to be a, this is not a fear-mongering thing. This is an alarmist thing. This is an awareness thing. Are we ready to see Jesus? And you know what? If you don't care about it, you're not ready. If this doesn't bring a level of excitement to you, if you say, Mike, get off it, get on to the next point, you're not ready. Because if you're ready, you're encouraged by it and you want people to know about it. Amen. I'll get off my soapbox for the moment, but I'll get back on it later, I promise. (laughs) So today, we are continuing our study on the Beatitudes. And um, we are trying to understand Jesus' teaching as he taught it to the Jewish people of his day. Because they had a very different context of living than what we do. So I'm trying to pull in the Old Testament uh, meanings of what Jesus is saying as we go through the Beatitudes. Today we're, we're talking about blessed are the meek. Blessed are the meek. And that is hardly ever seen in the world that we live in today. <laughs> The world that we know of today is proud and arrogant and brash and abusive and all about me. Amen? 
What can I get from people rather than what can I do for people is the attitude. What can I get from the government rather than what can I do to serve our government? Meekness as a leader characteristic is virtually unknown today. I challenge you to go back and think of the last leader that really was meek. And I'm not politically minded necessarily here, but the last one that I can think of would be a guy named Ronald Reagan. He was probably the most meek president I think we've had. Powerful, but yet not a braggart and not meek. So just think about that. To the day that Jesus was speaking, his words amazed people because they were so powerful in the way that he described the kingdom of God versus the kingdom of man. Jesus used words and his description of the kingdom of God just literally blew the minds of people because he said things like what we're going to talk about today, that the meek are going to inherit the earth. I mean, that blows the mind of people. It's totally opposite of what should happen because really um, the strong and the overbearing person should be the one that earns the earth. The one that is in charge of things and, and the powerful, they should be well over top of the meek, running all over them, taking away the things that they would think that they should have. But that's not what Jesus says. Jesus says, no, the meek will inherit the earth. And we're going to come back to that word inherit because that's pretty meaningful in a little bit. But how does this happen? How does the meek overpower the powerful? That's what we're going to discuss today. We're going to try to understand why and why Jesus and how Jesus was describing the concept of meek. So I look at it and I say there's little wonder here that, that the people's minds just must have been blown away when Jesus was saying the things that he was saying in that hillside. And I wish I could have been there. Maybe in heaven we're going to be able to go back and watch a video. <laughs> Maybe we're going to go be able to watch it and, and watch Jesus's body language and see his face and hear his ways that, that he described it. I wonder how Jesus would be received today. If, 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 I'm not saying he is because that would be anti-biblical if I would say Jesus was here today because he's not here today. He's in heaven. But if he was teaching today, how would he be received? Interesting, isn't it, to think about that? So let's jump into our text today. Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Let's pray. Father, help us as we dig into this little simple passage. It's so easy just to blow by the Beatitudes because they just seem to be little nuggets of truth. But Father, as we dig into those nuggets, we find out that they are a gold mine. That there is so much to be said for each beatitude, each, each time where we say be attitude, listen, be teachable. So Father, teach us today. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So who are the meek that Jesus is referring to and, and what does it mean to be meek? So what are some synonyms, not cinnamon, synonyms for meek? Well, humble, Submissive, gentle, docile, modest, 
compliant, quiet, lowly. Very interesting descriptions, aren't they, of what it means to be meek? And doesn't it sound very Christ-like? Don't you see Jesus being this way? So if those are some other words for meekness, what are some other words that would not be meek? What are some antonyms for meek? Arrogant, proud, fierce, assertive, shameless, brash, stubborn, unmanageable, or unteachable. Now, when you take a look at those two lists, which of the two describes you? Which of the two would your wife or husband tell describes you? <laughs> That's maybe a little more telling. I'm glad my wife walked out right now, but she's with the kids. But seriously, when we take a look at these lists, which one of the lists do we find? Which one is our camp? Where do we spend most of the time? Obviously, the second list is anything but Christ-like. Let me say this. God detests the proud. I mean, he just doesn't dislike that. He detests it. There is no compromise with a prideful spirit in the kingdom of God. He does not just get along with prideful people. No, God detests it. Because pride was the original sin, if you will. Pride is, was the thing that, that Lucifer was cast out of heaven for because he had pride in his heart. And Lucifer, Satan today as we know him, is the reason we have evil in this world. Therefore, God hates it. You know, it's like, it's like an alcoholic. An alcoholic would say that the drink that he regrets the most is not the last one. It's the first one. It's the first one that captured him and took him captive. It's not the last one. If he never would have taken the first one, he never had to worry about the last one. He never would have been an alcoholic. And that's kind of the way God looks at pride. If pride would never have entered into heaven through Lucifer, there would have been no evil and no sin, and therefore we would be in that perfect relationship with God that he so desired it want, and he so desires it to be, that he created it to be. Remember, coming from an Old Testament perspective, when Jesus says this, the people in, of that day were going back to the Old Testament. And I'm sure that they probably thought of Proverbs. And this is a passage they probably thought of. Proverbs chapter 16, verses 1 through 5, it says, Two humans belong to plans of the heart, but from the Lord comes the proper answer of the tongue. All a person's ways seem pure to them, but motives are weighed by the Lord. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. The Lord works out everything to its proper end, even the wicked for a day of disaster. In verse 5, the Lord detests all the proud of heart. Be sure of this. They will not go unpunished. That's what the Jewish person probably saw. When Jesus was saying the meek will inherit the earth, they're probably thinking of this passage. So Jesus is talking 
about the opposite of pride, which would be meek. Because the meek will inherit the earth. And when you say that, it's a shocking statement. It just blows them away because how is a meek person going to overpower a proud person? Has to be supernatural, doesn't it? Yet there's more to being meek than simply having personality traits. Okay, we've read those two lists. There's more to meekness than just having the falling under the category of the, per, of, of the meek personality traits. My Bible commentary says it this way. Being meek really has little to do with personality and much more to do with the conscious choice. Hear that word, the conscious choice to live and a life of submission under the power of Christ, bringing all of our own personality traits under his. So that it's not about me, it's about Christ living in me in the spirit of meekness, fruit of the spirit. And I know this sounds difficult to do because in our own selves, we are a take charge people. We want to control our life and the lives of others, <laughs> if, we're, if we're honest about it. We want, to, we want to be a controller, some more than others. But we like to be in charge, don't we? And that's why listening to the teachings of Jesus are always challenging to our flesh man and to the carnal natures because it goes against our natural inclination. Our natural inclination is to be powerful, to be the one in charge, to be the one given the orders, not to be the one taking the orders. Because, you know, really, really, that's one of the attributes of being created in the image of God, in that we're powerful. One of the attributes about being created in the image of God is that we are powerful in ourselves. Now, we've got to think about this for a minute, okay? Because men were created powerfully in the image of God because God's powerful. Think about that. God would not create us weak if we're in the image of God. No, we're created as powerful beings. We're powerful in our minds. We're powerful in our, the way that we think, that we can make our own choices, that we can decide for ourselves. There's power in that. We're powerful in our bodies. Physically, we're strong. We're able to do work. We're powerful in our relationships with people. We can be leaders or we can be followers, both requiring an element of power. We're able to deal with personalities and hold to our own conversations. We can defend ourselves if need be. We're able to work as a team and combine our efforts together. There's power in that. There's nothing wrong with the strength of a person. We just need to understand how to use it properly. So this is not a taking away of your manhood or your womanhood. This is not stripping you of your ability, of your, of your power. No, it's learning how to manage it. It's learning how to control it. It's learning how to use it. It's learning how to surrender it to Christ so that it can be the most powerful thing in the world. You know, again, going back to the day that the Jewish people, they were living in an agricultural society. and They knew how to use animals to do the work for them. They didn't have John Deere then. <laughs> no, they had a big horse or a, an oxen. 
And so, and to, to use that to plow the fields, they had to learn how to break that animal so that that animal would come under their control and could be used productively by them without hurting them because a big ox or a big horse could do a lot of damage if it's out of control, right? So they had to learn how to break an animal. So to them, the term meek could easily be described as a a horse that has been broken. This describes a beast of burden, raw power that has been trained so that it can do work and it can be productive without hurting the person that's controlling it. That's meekness. See, in their day, the animals had to be broken and trained to pull the heavy loads and to, pull and to plow the grounds. And they would put yokes on the horses and the oxen, and they would tie them together to combine their strength so that two animals could work better than one animal if they would learn to work together. And so they had to put yoke on them and then turn, train them how to pull together and, and in unison and in the same direction. <laughs> It wouldn't do much good if a horse is going this way and another horse is going that way. It wouldn't get much done, but they had to train them to work together. So there is a, um, as they see this power of these horses, they see the power that they have, but the meekness describes how they are under control. Meekness does not equate to weakness. They may sound alike, but there are anything but similar. Meekness does not equal weakness. In fact, meekness equals power under control. Meekness is power under control. And we see Jesus teaching this later in Matthew. Matthew Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Jesus says, and this is a very common passage. We probably love this one. It says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What Jesus is describing here, again, to those people about about putting a yoke on animals and how they work together, and as they do that, the burden is light for the man on the plow because the worker the work's being done by the horses and he's simply guiding them and directing them. But how do they do this? See, at times they had to take younger animals and put them with the more experienced animals. So they would take a, a colt or a young horse or a young ox and they would yoke it together with an older ox or an older uh, horse that knows how to work in the yoke. And that older animal would guide that younger animal and teach them without having to beat them. It wasn't a fearful thing. It was just how they would teach them. One older animal would teach the younger animal how to work together. And that's kind of what Jesus is saying here in the same passage because Jesus is saying, take the yoke, tie it to yourself, tie yourself to Jesus, let him be that animal training you, and then learn from him. Learn from Jesus. How does Jesus handle the burden? He's powerful. He's experienced, yet he's meek and he's gentle and he teaches us without making us fearful. Power under control. And he says when we do that, that we will find rest for our souls even in the midst of troubling times. 
Now, how many, how many of us here understand troubling times? Do, do we see it or not see it? Have you experienced it in your life? If you haven't, come talk to me. I'll give you some of mine. <laughs> but I think we all understand what we're talking about here. Even in the midst of the worst times, as we bind ourselves in Christ and take on his humble and gentle and meek work ethic and spirit, we yoke ourselves to Christ, our burden becomes lighter and more doable because we're letting Jesus help us pull the load. Amen? See, meekness is not simply a matter of passive submissiveness to a stronger force, but it is it involves an act of choice to be teachable, to achieve instruction. Submissiveness to be teachable is another good definition of meekness. That I'm not going to say that I have all the answers or I have it all figured out. In other words, a meek person is a teachable person totally opposite of a proud and arrogant person who knows everything and is not teachable. The proud and arrogant live lives centered on their opinions and their desires and their feelings without caring about anybody else. They are oblivious to the needs of those around them and they're focused on gaining things to satisfy themselves. That's the arrogant. That's the proud. That's the world we live in, quite honestly. They are also easily upset and and they can often be violent and abusive to those that would challenge them on any point that they would make. It's a cancel culture. No, we're not going to have a conversation. We're not going to have a discussion. I'm just going to cancel you. I'm going to make you like you didn't exist. I'm going to erase your influence. We're not going to have a good conversation. No, I'll just do away with you. That's the powerful, that's, that's the proud person. Whereas the meek person is always teachable, is always able to sit down and have a conversation. He may not give in on the conversation. He may not agree and thank the Lord that he doesn't agree when it comes to morality. Well, no, we're not to just be run over by the world but we're to be able to have our own conversation and hold to our own convictions. Convictions are different than legalism. Conviction means that I understand why I do what I do, why I believe what I believe, why I go to the word of God as my source, and how I can use that to defend myself. Whereas legalism says, no, just do it without having an answer why. And that is abusive. Legalistic living is abusive living. But a conviction, knowing why I do what I do, that is led by the Spirit, and I can be meek and have strong convictions. In fact, you should have strong convictions. A meek person should have the strongest convictions of the world because nobody can shake him away from it without being abusive. A meek person puts themselves out many times as they offer to help others in their needs. Think about that. They're not easily angered or they're not easily um, abusive. Like a trained powerful workhorse, which has to be meek in that, you know, if you took a trained horse, I don't know about you, but I'll be honest with you, I'm a little afraid of horses. And, and, And it happened to me 
innocently because I'll, I'll tell you just a quick story of why I'm afraid of horses. Because I, when I, until I was five years old, we lived on a farm. And um, we had cattle, some, ho- some, some cows and a bull with a big ring around his, in his nose. And one, of the, um, one, one day, um, uh, one, of the, um, uh, one of the cows got out of the pen and we had to get it out of the yard and herd it back into the pen. And so my dad and I guess a few other people that were around, they were going to, uh, you know, corral the cow and push him back in the pen. But the pen door had to be open and there happened to be a bull in the, in the corral, in the pen where we were trying to get that cow. So I was five years old, four or five years old. And my dad gave me a water hose with a, with turned on. And he says, Mike, stand here. And if that bull comes at you, just spray him in the face. And so they left me. So I'm standing here with this hose and they're out running around trying to catch the cow or the calf. And that bull all of a sudden notices that the gate's open and he starts walking my way. Now I'm this tall. And this bull had a ring in his nose and he was black. And he's walking towards me. And I I mean, I can see it like it happened yesterday. My eyes got bigger, and he's walking at me, and he's walking. I'm holding that hose, and it's spraying, you know, out a little bit, you know. I didn't know how to put my thumb on it to make it really squirt. It's just kind of dribbling out there. And he walked right up to me, and I'm spraying him in the nose like this. (laughs) Scared me to death. That's why I'm afraid of horses, because I'm afraid you're going to step on me. They're not going to eat me. Sorry, let me go back. I know I, I need counseling. (laughs) <laughs> that scarred me um, I don't know where I was at now but I'm telling you horses need to be trained so they don't hurt you <laughs> that's why I, maybe that's where I'm at that what's that that was a bull no he never got out I did my job he stayed there he just I think he was thirsty <laughs> I, I th- yeah, but a horse and a a horse and a bull are big animals. So it was more the fact that he was a big animal. Okay, no, I like them as long as they're in their pen on the other side of the fence. So I I think the bull was actually like Ferdinand the bull. I don't think he would have hurt me. Uh, I just think he was thirsty and he was just lapping at the water. And of course, everybody was laughing at me. And uh, I'll talk to my dad about that in heaven when I see him. But like a trained workhorse, it has to be conditioned not to get easily riled up and excited. Because, you know, when a a horse sees a snake or something and if it rears up, it could do some big damage, right? So you have to condition the animal not to be fearful. That's part of being meek. And that's a perfect example of the meekness that we see in Jesus. Jesus and all of his power and authority is the perfect model of how the meek will inherit the earth because Jesus never got off course. He never got rattled. Nobody ever came. They they challenged him all the time, didn't they? The Pharisees constantly challenged him, but you never see Jesus losing his cool. You never see Jesus overreacting in his power and all of a sudden, I'm done with you and zap. He could have. He could have zapped him into eternity, right? He could have just, he could have squashed them, but he didn't. He understood that his authority came from a higher source. Even Jesus understood that his authority came from his father in heaven. And if Jesus recognized that, how much more should we recognize that our authority comes from heaven, not from myself?
So therefore, I shouldn't get rattled either. I should be able to hold my own in a conversation and not lash out at people in anger or react to maybe the way they're reacting towards me. I should not fight fire with fire. I should learn how to be meek in that process. And I will tell you that's difficult to do. It's difficult. Sometimes it's walking away. Sometimes it's learning to know when not to say something. Sometimes if I'm going to be meek in the middle of an argument, I just say, I love your brother, but I got to go. <laughs> you know, sometimes we have foolish arguments that are not intended to be won. They're just intended to be argued. And nobody wins those arguments. So sometimes we just need to learn in our meekness how to walk away and save a relationship and come back to it later. I'm not saying you give in. I'm not saying that you compromise. Maybe we just say, let's agree to disagree on this point and walk away for the time. Maybe that's one way to do it. But the people of Jesus' day might, might have thought about how Job understood God's unlimited power. Because remember, they were probably going back to backwards as, or, and what they'd learned before. Job chapter 42, verse 2, it says, I know that you can do all things. This is Job talking to God. I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. Right? I mean, that's, that's the power of God, and Job knew that. And that's a good description of, of God not being able to, do, to be derailed in, per, in his purposes for us either, no matter how bad our circumstances are. No matter how bad the world spins out of control, God doesn't get rattled and thrown off course because, we, because our plans aren't working out like we think they should work out. In God's unlimited power, he's capable of making all things work out for the good that love him, right? Romans chapter 8, 28, we love this passage. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. That's the power of God. We also know that Paul talked in Philippians chapter 4, verse 12 through 13, that he understands how it is to live a life yoked to Christ in a level of contentment. Without always have to strive for more. Paul said, Philippians chapter 4, 12 and 13, he says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. For verse 13 says, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Paul understood that his strength comes through Christ. Even though people were supporting him as a missionary, Paul understood that was not his source of strength. His source of strength comes to Christ. Therefore, he can do all things as he stays rooted in the family of Christ. A meek person understands that his power depends, what his power depends on in life comes from God and not himself. A meek person is quick to not only depend on God but to give God glory when things do work out. A meek person doesn't say, wow, look what I did. A meek person says, oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank the Lord for his blessings. Thank the Lord that he got me out of this one. <laughs> thank the Lord that he provided for me all my resources rather than saying, oh, look at my bank account. Look what I did. No, that's pride. It's not what Jesus is about. That's the confidence that a meek person has. He has a confidence in the love and in the mercy 
and in the grace of Jesus. That's the meek spirit that can live in holy confidence. He can be a confident person, but not in his own right. He's confident in his relationship with Christ. He's confident in his position with Christ. A meek person has no problem coming to God's throne asking for help. Hebrews chapter 4, 16. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. See, one of the attributes of taking on the yoke of Jesus is knowing and having the confidence that Jesus is right by our side. That we're not in this alone. We're not pulling the load alone because we're yoked with Christ. He's right there with us. And if we would just turn to the right and look at him, he, we would see that he's leading and he's pulling harder than we're, hard, than we're pulling. But that doesn't mean we stop. It means we pull along with him. We come in alongside of him and we do our job, but we know that he's leading. Jesus is not the co-pilot. Jesus is the pilot. If you've seen those, those stickers, Jesus is my co-pilot. Nonsense. Jesus is nobody's co-pilot. He is the pilot. And if we're in proper standing, we're his co-pilot. Otherwise, we're not even in the plane with him. <laughs> if we're not in proper relationship, we're not even in the same plane. But if we are, then we're his co-pilot. And we're doing our job, right? We have a job to do, but we're taking our instructions from him. And we're just doing what he tells us to do. Then we call the radio and call the tower. We do all the things we do as a co-pilot but we let him pilot the plane. That's one of the attributes of taking on the yoke of Jesus. It doesn't make any difference what the problem is. If you're going through a financial hardship, if you're confused on what you should be doing in life, if you're confused about your job and your career, if you're confused about should I wear a mask or not wear a mask, should I take the vaccine or not take the vaccine, ask Jesus. Ask him. Let him help you with a decision. You have to do this alone. He's willing to be right there and give you an answer if you just ask him. If you have a financial need, ask him. If you have a family relationship need, ask him. You name it. Anything in this life that gives you concerns, take it to Jesus. That's what a meek person does because they're not afraid to say, I'm not okay. It's okay not to be okay. Just so you know that, you don't have to put on a facade. You don't come to church with a fake plastic face. If you've got a problem, tell people. It's okay not to be okay. But let me tell you, you don't need to stay there. You don't need to leave not okay. You can leave in the process of getting better. You may not be better overnight, but you can get, on, you can get off the trend of being spiraling downward and you can get on to climb upward if you will ask. Jesus says you have not because you ask not. And then when you ask, you ask with the wrong motives. Ask with a motive to say, Jesus, I depend upon you, and I'm not okay. I need help. That's honesty, it's integrity, it's humility, and he honors that. And he sees that in a person. And he'll be right there with you, pull, you, pull along beside you and take care of your situation. My Bible commentary says it this way. The, the meeting place with God is called the throne of grace because from it flows God's favor, love, help, mercy, 
forgiveness, wisdom, spiritual power, spiritual gifts, and the fruit of the Spirit. God provides all that we need under any and every circumstance. Let's go back to our text. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Think about that for a minute. What does it mean to inherit something? I think there's great wisdom that Jesus chose that word, to inherit rather than conquer. Because you could have said the meek will conquer the earth. You could have said the meek will gain the earth. The meek will earn the earth. No. He said, blessed are those that are meek, for they will inherit the earth. Now, what's an inheritance? An inheritance is something that is received without the risk of being taken away from you. You see, if I conquer something, then there's always a risk of it being conquered from me. Then I need to be stronger than those around me because if I conquered it from somebody there's always the risk that somebody stronger could take it away from me and would, I would have to give it away. I would have to give it up because I conquered it. But when something is given as an inheritance, there's a great joy and blessing in the giving of the inheritance. You're given it with honorable reasons. There's no regret with an inheritance. You see, we can buy things, and how many of us have had buyer's remorse? Yeah, I, I wanted that. I, I, maybe it wasn't what I should have, but I wanted it. So I went out and I bought it. In fact, I even went in debt over it. So not only do I have buyer's remorse, but now I have a credit card debt that I can't afford to pay. And all of a sudden now I have a problem because I didn't wait for the inheritance I went out on my own to get it. I conquered it. I achieved it. On my power, under my terms. And now what have I done? I've just created a problem. Because now I have a debt I cannot pay. You want stress in your life? That's what that, most of the time, most of the time we are the problem. We're the creator of our own stress. Because we ran ahead of God. But if we're honest with ourselves, we know better. We know that God maybe didn't really want us to have that in the first place. That's not an inheritance. It's a burden, and it's a problem that we've caused on our own. An inheritance need to, needs to be seen from an Old Testament perspective. The, in the Old Testament, the Jewish people were promised to possess the promised land. They were seeking the promised land. The, the Jews, when they were, the Israelites, when they were freed from Egypt, God said, I will take you to the promised land. And the promised land is more than just possessing the land as a possession. It really signified a sense of, 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 of being in security, of being in the right relationship, being in the right place that God was to give them. That's why he's talking about the earth. Jesus says you would inherit the earth. He's talking about the promised land in a way for the Jewish people. For us today, the promised land is not the same as it was for the Jewish people. The promised land for us is more eternal in nature. 
is that we're, we will possess a place in heaven where we will have eternal happiness and, and, and peace and joy. It's a place where our heart and our passions can, can be fulfilled. It's the promise that Jesus gave to us in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 21. It says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For there, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That's the promise that God gives us. That our treasures are eternal, our inheritance is eternal, and never can be taken away from us. There's nothing in this world that can take your inheritance. You can give it up. Let me just say that. You can walk away from it, but nobody can take it. There's no power on earth that can take your inheritance other than you. If you had choice to receive it, you'll have choice to lose it. And I know many don't like to think it that way. They might like to think, once I got it, I have it. And here's the deal. Don't worry about it. Just live for it. Just, live, just adopt the meek lifestyle of Jesus and continue to do this in a daily process. You know, like I said the other day, that the only beatitude that is present tense is those that are poor in spirit. Because theirs is the kingdom of God. When you recognize that you're poor in spirit and you recognize that you're spiritually in poverty and that Christ comes and he gives you salvation, the moment that you recognize that and accept Christ, then all the riches of heaven are yours. Right then and there. Immediately, you've become a child of God. Now, the rest of the Beatitudes, how do you live that out? The other ones are in future sense. The meek will inherit the earth. That's a future tense verb. Not that they have. No, you haven't inherited yet. You will inherit it as you continue to live for Jesus, as you continue to live in relationship with him, and nobody can take it away from you. Just don't give it up. Just don't walk away from it. So you see, something that we conquer by our own ability is always at risk of being taken away by a strong adversary. One example of this is those that are rich. How many times you find a person that has money and do you ever have enough money? I mean, the person that says, if I only had a million dollars, and then he says he gets to a million, oh, if I only had a million and a half. If I only had two million. You see, because you're always afraid that you're going to lose it. You're afraid your lifestyle is going to outlive your income. You're afraid the stock market is going to crash. You're very insecure because our finances are insecure. But a person that understands meekness, understands that his source doesn't come from his money anyways, it comes from Christ, that's a different word. That's a different world. So how do we apply this today in our busy and hectic lives? Well, the question is, how does one become meek? Some people are more meek than others, okay? In your personality traits, some are more, more meek than others. I get that. But meekness and gentleness and goodness are all part of the fruit of the Spirit. We learn to be meek through the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Jackie, would you come as we start to wrap this up? So what we need to do as people that understand that, we need to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to be seeking God to give us the strength and the direction of our lives so that we can live a meek life. It's a choice that we make. It may not be easy. It may not be easy, but we can do it. You can be meek. You can be gentle. You can be good. You have to choose it. You have to humble yourself before a mighty God and and recognize how it's his provision and his blessings that sustain us in the first place. I get no credit from my bank account. I get no credit for my car. I get no credit from being a pastor of this church. It is a gift of God. It's his blessing. Again, going back to the Old Testament, the people that of the day sitting there listening to them, they must have been thinking of John the Baptist. John the Baptist said this in John chapter 3, verses 30 and 31. He says, he must become greater and I must become less. The one who becomes from heaven is above all. The one who is from the earth belongs to the earth and speaks to one from the earth. The one who comes from heaven is above all. The secret to this is that Jesus becomes greater and I become less. That's meekness. Practice it. Practice generosity. Practice giving to others in their time of need purpose to be teachable and submissive. When you find that unteachable spirit rise up with you, slay it. Do not let it take root in you. When you find that pride that comes in and says, I don't need to listen to that man or that woman or read the word of God, most importantly, slay it. Because see, this is an ongoing process. This is a lifestyle of living. Pastor Rip mentioned this last week. On the communion table, this do in remembrance of me is not just for communion. It's a, it's a lifestyle. It's what we practice. And as we practice it, we will inherit the earth, which means we will inherit eternal life as we practice being meek. And here's the good news, that when Jesus increases in your life, your joy increases. Your peace increases. Your patience increases. Your sense of being and purpose increases. My position in Christ becomes more solid. And I know who I am. My identity is solid because my identity is in Jesus Christ and not in Mike Way any longer. It's not me, it's Jesus. And when Jesus, when God looks at me, that's what he wants to see. He wants to see the beauty of his son come through my life and come through your life. Amen? That's what it is. That's what it means to be meek. For you will inherit the earth. Let's pray. Father, we just come to you in Jesus' name. Father, we know that there is nothing better than being meek. That way we can watch the power of God increase in our life. That I can learn to be more like you and less like me. And I can purpose to be that way. 
tomorrow morning when I get up, when I go to the job, when I'm with my spouse, every day I purpose to be more like you and less like me. Help me to practice meekness. Help me to practice that as a way of life. Help me to see your joy increase. Help me to see your patience increase. Help me to see your peace, my peace increase as I know who I am in Jesus Christ. And as we sang earlier, there are those in this world that are searching. As Jackie mentioned in her dream, there are people that are searching and they don't know where the answer is. We know the answer. Help us to share the answer and help people to see it in the lifestyle of a meek, gentle, yet firm and confident person that loves you. That we can share the love of Christ and that people would say, yes, that's what I'm looking for. That's what I want. That's the answer. How do I get it? And that we could show them, we could yoke with them and we can be that more of experienced Christian that could come alongside and that we could help a younger Christian and say, come follow me as I follow Christ. I pray, Father, you strengthen us today. Strengthen this little church. Strengthen us in our community and the sphere of influence that we all have. I pray that you would be glorified and I pray that we would honor you in all things and in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Stand with me. Let's sing the song that Jackie and Tom are playing and use this as a time of worship as we prepare to go to our homes. Father of life, seated on your throne of grace, it's only by your mercy we are saved. Lord, you have said, if we call upon your name, our families will be saved. So we cry out your name. El Shaddai, God of grace. Till the day you take us.
Father, that is our prayer today. And Lord, as we go to our homes, Lord, I pray that this message of grace and mercy and meekness would just flow into our lives. I declare goodness on your people today and I give them blessing and I just declare as they walk through their life that people will see them different today. As they walk out, they'll say they they are a, a meek and mild person with a strong conviction to live in this world of turmoil and unrest that we know who we are in Jesus Christ and we are not shaken. We are like a trained, broken workhorse. We have our we have our nose to the plow and we are working hard in the kingdom, but God, we're doing so in a powerfully meek way that declares Jesus as our king and our master and our savior. And we declare your goodness today in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Be blessed today as you go into your homes. Be blessed.